For those of you who may be here for the first time or haven't been in a while, we are doing a sermon series on the Beatitudes, and today we'll be focusing on the fifth Beatitude, Blessed are the Merciful. The Beatitudes, chapter 5, verse 1 of Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is God's word. God's people did say. This last week, we witnessed, or I witnessed, I hope you witnessed, a remarkable act of mercy. Don't know if you've been following what's been happening in Dallas over the last year, but police officer Amber Geiger just got off duty, went home and went into the wrong apartment thinking it was her own, and there was a man sitting in a chair eating a bowl of ice cream, and she shot him and she killed him. Uh, all of Dallas has been embroiled in controversy over this shooting over the last year, and this last week, the verdict was finally delivered, and um, Amber Geiger was convicted of murder for shooting uh, Botham Jean, innocent man. She killed an innocent man. Now, I, I would ask you to go and read a lot of the stuff that's been written about it. I don't want to dig into all the details. I don't understand all of it. The, 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 the case, she was sentenced to 10 years, which to a lot of people seems like a very minor conviction for such a horrific crime. But you can go and read about all of that. But what I want to draw your attention to is that there was one individual, the brother, the brother of Botham Jean, who made a decision to show mercy. It was remarkable. He is on the witness stand, he's up on the stand, and after the conviction was read and the sentence was delivered, he had an opportunity to address his brother's killer. And you can imagine what was going through his heart and mind at that moment. I mean, think about it, you're sitting in front of someone who has killed your brother. He made a decision to show mercy. Putting it in my own words, he basically said, if you ask God to forgive you, God will forgive you, I forgive you. I don't wish you harm or ill will. I can't speak for my family, but I, didn't, I don't even really want you to go to jail. I look at you. I don't wish you will, ill will. In fact, I pray for you, forgive you. I, I love you. I care about you. And then this remarkable, remarkable thing. I just can't even hardly understand it. It's such a stunning act of mercy. He says to the judge, is it okay for me? Would it be possible for me to hug her? Yes. Amber Geiger, the woman that killed his brother, gets up, walks across. He wraps his arms around her and hugs her and shows her mercy. Beautiful. When, when, we, when we read, blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy, it's images like that that immediately come to mind. And we're reminded of the teaching of Jesus that Jesus literally says, if you are merciful to others, you will receive mercy. Withhold mercy, and mercy will be withheld from you. 
Give mercy, receive mercy. Don't give it, you won't receive it. Jesus said, judge or you'll be judged. And we prayed just a moment ago, remember? Do you remember what we pray? We, we probably should pay more attention when we pray this prayer. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Ooh, do we really pray that every week? If we thought about it, we might think a little differently during the week. Second example was from many years ago. Uh, in October, this is the anniversary, October 2nd. 2006, Charles Roberts IV walks into the West Nickel Mine School and shoots ten Amish children, killing five, and then he turns the gun on himself and kills himself. Horrific act of violence and tragedy and trauma. What really stunned people, though, was how the Amish community of West Nickel Mines responded. That evening, many of the members of the Amish community went to the home of the killer's family, stuck notes and prayer cards inside the mailbox, and went into her home and prayed for her and showed her mercy. They, they even invited her to come to the funeral for some of the children that were killed, and then they went to the funeral for her husband. And then at the graveside, the Amish men stood protecting the family from the press by standing as, you know, as a barrier between the press and the family. Ten years after this event took place, the mother of Charles Roberts, uh, she said she thought she'd have to move away, but she didn't because of the forgiveness of the community. Ten years later, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And ringing her doorbell after she was diagnosed with breast cancer was one of the little girls who had survived the massacre who had come and said, I heard you're sick. Can I clean your house for you? Mercy, that's mercy. Hard to imagine mercy. Now what's really interesting is when you look at this teaching, it's, it's amplified in many of Jesus' stories. All throughout the Gospels, you will see stories of mercy and unmercy and stories that he told. Multiple examples Here's an example of mercy and unmercy. Uh, Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, how long are we going to have to put up with this stuff? What do you mean? He says, how long are we supposed to keep forgiving people? Seven times is surely enough, right? Right? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. Unlimited. And then Jesus tells this story. He says, you know what, I remember a story. There was a man who owed a massive debt to his master. One day the master wanted to settle accounts. The man couldn't pay it back. In fact, he would never be able to pay it back. He falls on his knees and he begs for his mercy from his master. And his master, it says, is moved with compassion, wipes out the debt, clears him. You're free, go. I've erased your debt. Now you would think the man would be filled with gratitude and mercy, but this man walking out of his master's chamber encounters another man who owes him a small amount of money. Instead of showing him mercy, he demands repayment in full, and when the man can't pay him, he takes him and throws him in debtor's prison until he's able to repay. Mercy, unmercy. Jesus says that the master hears what's happened, 
hears about the ungrateful servant, and what does he do? He seizes him and throws him into prison until he's able to repay his debt. And then Jesus adds these words. So it will be for those of you who don't show mercy. You'll be sent to the place of gnashing and weeping. Gnashing of teeth and weeping. Now we read that, you know, I read that and I go, how true that is. When we don't show mercy to someone who has hurt us, we intentionally, without God's help or anybody else's help, we intentionally take the key and lock ourselves away in a prison of unforgiveness where there is gnashing and weeping. We don't have to wait till we die to go to hell because a lot of us are living through hell every single day. The day that we choose not to forgive, when we make a decision to hold on to it, we find ourselves in a living hell. And what does that do to families? All of us know what it's like to be in a family that's holding on to unforgiveness and shows no mercy. We all know what it's like to work with people who show one another no mercy. We all know what it's like to belong to a community where mercy is not shown. And then Jesus goes on and tells another. There's many examples. He just tells the story of a family. One day, the younger son says to dad, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Dad gives it to him. He marches off into the far country and in a hot minute blows it all. Then he comes to his senses. Now let me point out to you, there's nothing in the story that Jesus tells that indicates that he feels bad for what he's done, that he's remorseful really in any way as far as I can tell in the story. He's going home because he has no other place to go. And you would expect that when he goes walking up the drive to the house and dad sees him, dad would be like this. Screen door shut. Sees his son walking up to the door. Hell no, that boy's not coming in. Hell no. Hell no. He doesn't even look sorry. He just... But instead, Jesus says, the dad throws open the door and says, hell yes, my boy's home. Runs down the street, grabs his son, puts a robe on him, cooks the fatted calf. Puts a ring on his finger and a crown on his head. But you know what unmercy looks like? It's that older brother kicking stones around the back of the barn. He can smell the calf cooking on the fire. My dad never cooked a calf for me, that lousy brother of mine. Unmercy. It destroys families, it destroys relationships. And we all know what it's like to gnash our teeth and to weep. But it's a decision. The Amish, the Amish practice something called decision-based uh, decision forgiveness. They make a decision to forgive before they feel it. They decide to forgive. We decide to forgive, and then they work through the feelings. Most of us work through the feelings to get to forgiveness. They do it the other way around.
Now, that's mostly the way that we think of uh, blessed are the merciful. And all that is true. We all have the power to choose. And I will say this to you. God, help us all. We all need help in this because it is so hard to be merciful when we've been hurt. We all need help here. Every single day we have an opportunity to choose to be merciful or to be... It's a choice that we have. And that mercy is the key that unlocks it. But it goes a little deeper. Some more examples. The Greek word for mercy used here is the word elios. Say it. Elios. It means two things. First of all, it means compassion. To feel what another person feels. It means compassion is to get inside the skin of another person, to feel what they feel, to see what they see, to think what they think, to the point that we are moved. Compassion is not pity. Pity is pitiful. Pity does no thing for anyone. Pity's just feeling sorry for someone. Pity doesn't move anybody to do anything. Pity's, you don't, you don't feel what they feel. You just look at them and think they're pitiful. Sometimes in the New Testament, the word pity is put in. It shouldn't be pity. It should be the word compassion. So compassion is feeling, that's the first, feeling what another person feels, seeing what they see, getting in their skin. And the second part of the word means Action. Doing something to relieve the suffering. So mercy is compassion that's accompanied by action to do something to remove the suffering. Now Jesus gives us another example. Rich guy comes up to Jesus and says, Hey Jesus, what must I do to get the good life? Notice he said, what must I do? He didn't say, what must I believe? What do I do? Jesus doesn't respond with a list of creeds or beliefs. He says, love your neighbor. That's it. Man says, well, who is my neighbor? Then he tells a story, you remember? There's this guy, he's walking along the path. We don't know why he's out there, but he's robbed and beaten and thrown into the ditch. Two religious people walk by. They're thinking, not what can I do to help him. They're thinking, what will happen to me if I stop and help him? They're not moved. They maybe feel pity, but they're not moved by compassion. They keep moving. Third man walks by, and there's a whole lesson in this. He's the hated, despised Samaritan, hated and reviled by the Jewish people. It says he is moved to compassion. And moved to compassion, he does something. He moves to action, walks off the path. And there's all these action words in there. Twelve or so words are the things that he does. He picks him up. He bandages his wounds. He, he heals him. He cares for him. Puts him on a donkey. Takes him to the hotel. Puts him up in the hotel. Does, pays the bill. Says, in fact, he says, not only am I going to pay the bill, but I'll come back in a month. And a month later, if I still owe more, I'll pay even more. He just goes over the top. And you know what's remarkable about this story? It doesn't say if the man fell in the ditch, they got beat up, if he was a good person or a bad person. He doesn't ask, well, what was he doing out walking along the road? He shouldn't have been out there in the dark anyway. Didn't blame the victim. 
Didn't ask if he believed in God or not. Didn't ask him what religion he belonged to. Didn't even ask him if he wanted help and didn't even ask him. There's no indication the man showed any gratitude or desire to pay anything back. It's all left out. He helps him because he needed help. He helped and responded with compassion and mercy. That's what mercy is. All around us are people that need help every day. Compassion and mercy. Not just the people we have to forgive. Let me give you an example. 1996, uh, this man is walking down the street. In Ann Arbor, Michigan, 1996, there was a Klan rally. This man was on the wrong side of the street. He ended up walking through the crowd that was there to the anti-Klan rally. Someone saw him and yelled, get him, he's a Nazi. The crowd started to chase him. The crowd caught him and then knocked him to the ground and began to beat him. And You look at the woman's face. I want you to see the face of mercy. 18 years old, Kenesha Thomas pushed her way through the crowd, fought off the crowd, laid on top of the man. to protect him and shield him. Later she was asked, why, why did you do that? She said, because I know what it's like to feel violence against me. I know what it's like to be hated. Nobody, even no matter what they believe, deserves to be treated with violence. Later on, she was walking down the street there in Ann Arbor, and somebody came up and thanked her, said, thank you, thank you. And she said, why are you thanking me? Because the man that you shielded was my father. Her action that day changed the whole scene. The whole environment went from hate to mercy. Look in her face and see mercy. But those are just big examples. I want to point out to you, before you can do big examples of mercy, of showing care to people, and again, I want to say it's not just people who we need to, it's anyone and everyone. All around us, every day are opportunities, ordinary opportunities to show mercy to people. I'm walking through Walmart, and I'm in a hurry. I want to get in, I want to get out. But it's impossible because they only have one cashier, right? So, so, mercy, mercy, mercy. So I'm in a big hurry. I'm walking through. I'm walking through Walmart. You know, I'm trying to get something. I'm walking through. I'm, I'm just. I'm, I got, I'm going for my thing, and then suddenly I see this woman. She's really short, and she's got a little one, and she's like the little girl's like going crazy. You know, bouncing all around. And she's short, and she's got a bucket or something she wants to get off the top shelf. And I'm in a hurry, I'm walking through, and then suddenly I remember, oh, blessed are the merciful. And then I suddenly remembered my wife being in the grocery store with my son, who's all over everything, right? She can't get the bucket, she's not. And I walked up to her and said, God gave me the gift of being tall to help short women like you. <laughs> and so, so, so I reached up, and I grabbed, I grabbed the bucket, and I put it in her shopping cart, and she thanked me. Simple thing. I had fun, but it was mercy. You're standing in line at the grocery store. A person can't get their credit card in correctly or whatever. They can't get the coupons out. You're in a hurry. you got two things. they got 40 things. Opportunity to extend mercy. You go to lunch after church. The food order comes back wrong. Mercy doesn't send the food back. Mercy extends mercy and says they're working on Sunday. 
all these opportunities every day. All around the room, there are people all around the room who are caregivers, teachers, coaches, doctors, nurses, home health aides, youth ministers. We have the opportunity to provide care for people. But with our care, with care, we can also provide them care. Do you know the difference of going to a doctor who cares for you, but then who shows mercy to you? Never forget, you know, every time I'd go to my cancer doctor every year, I was so anxious, anxious to get the report. I would walk in, the doctor would start talking to me about this. I said, just tell me. The longer you talk, the more anxious I get. And then he would sit down with me and talk with me. And it was, there was so much kindness. He could have just given me the report and left, but he took time to show me mercy. I went to see Dear Evan Hansen. Have you seen it, heard of it? Raise your hand. Dear Evan Hansen, let me tell you, I'm not going to give you the plot line. I'll just tell you a little bit of what it's about. It's about children or youth who don't feel like they fit in anywhere in the world. Evan Hansen, this kid who has social anxiety and is socially awkward, he doesn't fit in anywhere. And it's about his mom, who's a single mom, who's raising him. She can't be at home because she's going to school at night to improve her life and their life. And he's a senior in high school. He never has his mom around. He has no friends, not connected to anyone. He's a little odd and peculiar. She works all day. He's incredibly alone. And there's this one song in the play that just really rips at your heart where he says, I'm knocking on the window. I'm knocking on the window. I see the world outside, but does anybody see me? He goes, if I were in a tree and I fell from the tree, and it was, if I crashed into the ground in the woods in the middle of the forest, would anybody hear would anybody know? When I watch this play, my heart made me realize how many young people are in our world are longing for friendship and can find none. Maybe they're on the autism spectrum. Maybe they can't hear or see. Maybe they're just anxious, or maybe they're just introverts. Maybe they just don't fit in. So many people, so many people in our world who just, who long, it's not just teenagers, who long for friendship and just want that connection and can't find it anywhere. Being merciful is about being in tune and just paying attention. And, and you know what it means? It means if you're an introvert, sometimes you just have to step up and talk to people and step out of your lane and do something nice. Let me tell you something. It is never wrong to do something nice, even if it's not perceived rightly. It's better to be courageously wrong at being kind than it is to do nothing. Because most of the time when you show kindness and mercy to someone, and you reach out to someone, it is received with love and affection. If you have a prompting in your heart to help someone, don't assume it's an impulse. Assume it is the movement of the Spirit saying, touch someone's life. So in the end of the movie, end of the, end of the musical, Evan Hansen's mom, and had just been fighting the whole time, and finally they come together, and Evan Hansen's mother looks at him and says, son, do you remember? Do you remember when you were seven, when your dad left us? Do you remember when the truck came into the driveway? And you were so excited to see your dad's truck, but then that truck took your dad away. Do you remember, Evan? Do you remember? And do you remember, Evan? Do you remember 
later on at night when I tucked you in the bed, you asked me, Mommy, 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 when's the truck coming? It's going to take you away. All around me, people were sobbing. Because we all know what that feels like. And in that moment, in that moment, the mom looks at Evan and says, nothing will ever take me away. That's what God is like. God is like that mother. Nothing will ever take me away. She wraps her arms around him and, and they're crying together through all the ups and downs of all of it. God, through all the ups and downs of our life, God just keeps coming to show us mercy, to show us mercy, not because he has to, but because we belong to him. I think the key to mercy is, the key, the key to mercy is experiencing mercy, to know his love, to, to be wrapped in his arms, to know that we're not bad, that he loves us. I want you to look in his face, look in his face, look in the face. What did the man see when he was looking down through the hole in the roof? The paralyzed man, he's looking down through the hole in the roof, and Jesus is down there on the ground. He, he looks into Jesus' face, what does he see? He sees mercy. What did the Samaritan woman see at the well when she, Jesus walks up to her? She's all alone. She has no friends. She looks in his face, and what does she see? Mercy. And what did Matthew see? When Matthew was sitting across the dinner table from Jesus, a tax collector, and outside of Matthew's home were religious people saying, who is he hanging out with sinners and tax collectors? And then Matthew, who wrote this gospel, wrote this beatitude, he looks in Jesus' face and what does he see? Mercy. And Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then at the dinner table, Judas looks into Jesus' eyes, he sees mercy. As Jesus has been taken away, Peter looks into Jesus' eyes and sees mercy. And then there on the cross, the thief looks in the eyes of Jesus and sees mercy. And the man that hung him on the cross looks at his eyes and sees mercy. And when he walked out of that tomb on Easter morning, the resurrected Jesus walked out filled with mercy. We have the power to change the world and to change our lives because God is rich in mercy and abundant in love. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us. Lord, your example is powerful to us. We are moved. We're challenged by how much unmercy we feel, convicted by the mercy you give. Fill us with your richness of mercy. Drive us into the world with an abundance of love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let God wash over you today with his mercy.
Take the key he's given you and unlock the door in your family and in your relationships. Don't wait. Unlock the door. Set people free.